Karan Coleman grew up in a single family home in Houston, Texas. His father was not involved in his life uh, as a boy. And uh, he lived in a neighborhood where there was a lot of drugs and gangs and, and uh, a, a tough place for, for a young man to grow up. He made the high school football team. A lot of people didn't think that he would make it. He was only five foot seven. But by his senior year, he'd become uh, the star running back. And he had aspirations to play college football. No major schools recruited him, but he ended up on the team at Stephen F. Austin State University um, and played for the Lumberjacks. He actually became a really dynamic player for the Lumberjacks, and he thought, well, maybe I could play in the NFL one day. But again, he was five foot seven, and uh, he was undrafted. He was kind of disappointed that he was not drafted. But he got uh, an opportunity to come and practice with the Denver Broncos. And that was the open door for him to become a running back for three seasons here in the Mile High City. And I had a chance to meet Karan after I first moved to Colorado. And he shared with me a story. And he said, I actually wrote a book. And the title of the book is Don't Count Me Out. It was his story about his, his overcoming the obstacles of his youth his size, his abilities, and achieving his dreams and goals. And I thought, you know, that is a beautiful phrase, don't count me out, that could be said about a lot of characters in the Bible. I'm thinking about David, who was a shepherd boy that rose to become a king. I'm thinking about the Apostle Paul that was a killer of Christians, and, and, and yet God transformed his heart, and he became the writer that, that penned the words of almost half of the New Testament. Uh, I'm also thinking about Moses, who was a fugitive, but he became the liberator of the Israelite people from Egyptian captivity. But I'm also thinking of one person that people counted out more than anybody else all through Scripture, and that's Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ was the ultimate underdog. And you may be thinking, well, pastor, how in the world could Jesus be an underdog? He walked on the water. He fed the 5,000. He rose from the grave. All of that's true. But people discounted everything that Jesus ever did and said. Jesus was questioned at every turn of his ministry. I mean, he was born in a manger, not a palace, to an unwed teenage mother not exactly the, the, the most dynamic start to his life. And throughout Jesus' ministry, people questioned him. The religious establishment, the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, thought that Jesus was a heretic. Um, Jesus was even accused one time of being full of demons, if you can just imagine that. And all through the pages of the New Testament, we see people undermined, or, or, or didn't understand who Jesus was. In John chapter 1, Jesus is calling the 12 disciples, and he has an interesting conversation with one of the 12. His name is Nathaniel. Look with me, if you would, in John 1, to 46. Now, Philip was from Bethesda, the hometown of Andrew and Peter, and Philip found Nathanael and told him, We have found the one that Moses wrote about in the law, and so did the prophets. And Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. 
Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Nathanael asked him. Come and see, Philip answered. Philip had met Jesus, and he went and found his buddy Nathanael, and he said, listen, we, we found the one that the prophets wrote about. The Messiah's here, and he's all excited. And Nathanael's first response is, is, is one kind of, you know, like, let me put a wet blanket on your enthusiasm, right? Like, can anything good come out of Nazareth? I mean, that's the first thing that he says. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Now, archaeologists have excavated the city, or maybe I should say the town of Nazareth, and it was a small village. Um, probably two to 300 people lived in the town of Nazareth when Jesus was born. Many of us have heard of Nazareth because we know who Jesus is, but, but in the ancient world, the town of Nazareth was the most insignificant place someone could ever live. And uh, the prophets had foretold that Jesus would be born in Bethlehem, um, and so a lot of people thought because Jesus was from Nazareth that he wasn't the Messiah. But what they didn't understand is Jesus was born in Bethlehem, but he grew up in, in, he grew up in Nazareth. So he's from this very insignificant place. Maybe you grew up in a town like that. Do we have any small town people here today at Edge Church? Come on, raise your hand proud. All right. You got you a Dairy Queen? Amen. How about a stoplight? Anybody? Yeah. Oh, that's the town of Nazareth. Didn't lock your doors at night, left your keys in the ignition of the car. Nazareth. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? I've never been to Nazareth, but I have been to Hart, Texas. That was where my dad was from. My grandparents would have my brother and I visit in the summertime. And the reason you've never heard of Hart, Texas, there's a good reason, because there's absolutely nothing going on in Hart, Texas. There's one school, kindergarten through 12th grade, one school. There's no restaurants. You have to drive 30 or 45 minutes to go to the grocery store. I, I mean, it... It's not very exciting out there in heart. Maybe you've been to a place like that. Maybe you're from there. I was visiting my friend in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, a couple of years ago, and he said, Ryan, take your wife to this nice restaurant. And he said, drive an hour north to Sand Point. And there's a beautiful restaurant there out on the lake. He said, but listen, don't miss your turn. Because if you do, you'll end up in Bonner's Ferry, Idaho. This is the Idaho panhandle, close to the Canadian border. He said, that's where the bears eat the people. <laughs> Be very careful going to Bonner's Ferry. I thought, you know what, if the bears outnumber the people, that's not a good place. Can you imagine trying to go jogging in Bonner's Ferry, Idaho? I mean, thinking about that. Maybe you've heard of Bonanza, Colorado. Anybody Bonanza? In the 1880s, Bonanza was a thriving metropolis. They had 1,000 to 1,500 people in this mining town. It was big time stuff. They, they bragged about the 37 saloons and the seven dance, dance halls there at Bonanza. <laughs> Today, you have to look hard to find 16 people. And it's the smallest city in the state of Colorado. Now... If somebody told you, we have a new CEO coming in to lead our company, and she is from Bonanza, Colorado, what would you think? He's from Hart, Texas. 
She's from Bonners Ferry, Idaho. You'd be thinking, can anything good come out of there? Well, this is the response of Nathaniel when he, when he hears about Jesus. And Nathaniel reminds us we should never underestimate Jesus. Never underestimate Jesus. I mean, again, in John 7, 41, the same idea is reiterated. Others said, this is the Messiah. But some said, surely the Messiah doesn't come from Galilee, does he? I mean, Galilee was the region. Nazareth was the town. And people underestimated Jesus because of where he was from. Um, They were looking for a military leader with big biceps from the big city. Someone that was going to ride in on a white horse uh, and, and mesmerize the world and defeat the Roman establishment. Uh, it says uh, there in uh, Matthew 13, 55, uh, this is another commentary about Jesus. Isn't he the carpenter's son? Isn't his mother's name Mary? Aren't his brothers James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas? Aren't all his sisters with us? Where then did this man get all these things? And they took offense at him. I mean, who does this guy think that he is? We should never underestimate Jesus. In fact, the reason that Jesus is so spectacular is because he's relatable. Do you know that? Hebrews chapter 4 says he can sympathize with our weaknesses. Do you think that Jesus could sympathize with the weaknesses of humanity if he had not gone through some things? Jesus was tempted in every way. He was, he was put down. He was belittled. He was underestimated. He was abandoned. He was stabbed in the back. He was mistreated. All of that. And that's what makes Jesus so significant. That, that's what makes Jesus so wonderful. Uh, one theologian, John Owen, said that there's three reasons why Christ's sympathy with, with us is so significant so significant um one he's concerned for us number two he can relieve our suffering meaning he can meet our daily needs and third he can experience what we feel emotionally this is why jesus is so amazing so we should never underestimate jesus he's remarkably relatable and even though people took offense at jesus This was in the genius plan of God to send a savior to be from a little town that no one had ever heard of called Nazareth. So listen, don't underestimate Jesus. Don't minimize how much peace that Jesus can bring into your life. Don't count him out. Don't underestimate how many sins that he could forgive. You may think, listen, I got a long list of all the things that I've done that are wrong. Could God ever forgive me? Yes, he can. Don't discount how many hearts that Jesus can change. Jesus changes hearts. Jesus changes people. Don't overlook the wisdom of God. Don't think that any problems are beyond the scope of Jesus Don't do it. Don't underestimate Jesus because you never know what Jesus is about to do. So we never underestimate Jesus, but we should always see what God is doing. And I love the response 
that Philip has with his friend Nathaniel when Nathaniel says, is there any good thing that can come out of Nazareth? Philip responds and he says, well, come and see there in John 1, 46. Come and see. In other words, come check it out for yourself, right? Don't take my word for it. Come, come and see Jesus. Come and, come and examine the evidence. Come meet him. I'd love to introduce you to Jesus. Now, he's referred to uh, here as J Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. And, and maybe Philip misintroduced his friend because, because Jesus, he was the, the, the son of Joseph and he, and he was from Nazareth. But, but more precisely, he was the son of God and, and he was born in the town of Bethlehem. And so you kind of understand maybe some of the confusion that might be going on um, in the heart and mind of Nathaniel. But I love that phrase, come and see. Philip does not get into an argument. He does not get into a debate with his friend. He says, come check it out for yourself. Come look at Jesus and make your own observation, right? Come and see what you think about Jesus. Come and see. Come and see. And come and check that out. Come and check that out. Now, could I paint a picture for just a moment for you about who Jesus Christ really is? Because I think if you could come and see him, that you too would want to know him in a personal way. He had an amazing birth. He was born uh, of a virgin. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit. He had a physical birth in a manger. Uh, his life was sinless, even when he was crucified. Uh, Jesus did miraculous things, empowered by the Holy Spirit of God. Um, in his death, uh, he did not even speak out against his enemies. And most importantly, he rose from the grave. He had a supernatural resurrection. Not only did Jesus rise out of the grave, listen, there was an earthquake that went on. The angels were there. And uh, everybody knew that something spectacular was going on. And, and by looking at these things, we have to say that Jesus is the Son of God, the resurrected one, the Savior of the world. Sometimes I, I talk to skeptics. I really enjoy talk, talking to skeptics. Maybe you're a skeptic today. You've come to kind of check this out a little bit. And sometimes people will say, well, I don't really believe. And I always ask people, um, are you an open-minded skeptic or a closed-minded skeptic? And I've never had one person ever tell me I'm a closed-minded skeptic, right? Because if you're a skeptic, you're supposed to be open-minded, right? But then I ask a second question. That is, have you read the Gospels? And almost every time people say no. So what happens? If you haven't read the story, how can, if you haven't come and seen, how could you know if Jesus was the Messiah or not? Come and see. Did you know today that several billion people will gather in churches all over the planet to worship the resurrected Christ, the greatest movement the greatest movement in all of history is the Christian church. Why? 
Because people have come and they have seen. And if you will come and see and look at this spectacular person, Jesus of Nazareth, the resurrected Savior of the world, I think he'll change your heart too. Come and see. Come check it out for yourself. Gina and I were watching TV this week, and we saw one of those personal injury lawyer commercials. Have you guys ever seen those before? The strong arm of the law. Do you love those? <laughs> They're awesome. And there's always the dramatic music in the background, and you know they, they use testimonials, right? And so this one guy was given a testimony about how he had broken his pinky in a car wreck, and he was disabled. And he got a million dollars immediately because he didn't delay. He, he called immediately, right? He called the lawyer. And the lawyer is always portrayed like your best friend, you know, like you're going to hang out and go eat dinner with the lawyer if you call the 1-800 number. You know, it's always like that. But I looked below the picture of this very compelling story about the man's pinky. And it said, dramatization paid client portrayal. I thought, wait a second. This guy is speaking as if he's an authority. He had personal experience with the lawyer and he got his immediate $1 million and this just messed everything up because it said it was a dramatic portrayal and he was paid. It was a paid client portrayal. Wow. I can assure you, Philip, when he was talking to Nathaniel, was not a paid actor. He says, see it for yourself. Listen, don't, don't believe all the hype. Come and look at Jesus on your own initiative. Come and check it out. Come and see. We, we have a come and see church here at Edge Church. We love for people to come and see. That, that's why we have video testimonials on the website. And, and they actually are real stories, right? They're not paid actors, you know? Paid client portrayal. I love those. Some of those, some of those uh, videos on the Edge website are old, but they never get old to me because they tell people's stories about how they come, they came and saw Jesus and how their hearts and their lives were transformed. People's marriages were put back together. People headed for the divorce courts and God intervened because they came and saw Jesus. Wow. People overcoming addictions. People looking for purpose. People looking for power. People looking for, for, for spiritual truth. All of those things are, are beautiful. And there's just something magnificent about coming and seeing. Coming and seeing. It's beautiful. Nathaniel should have been commended, uh, should be commended for not sitting back and waiting. See, when, when his friend Philip gave the invitation, we'll come and see, Nathaniel said, What do I have to lose? Why not? I'm going to go check it out, right? I mean, it's one thing to say that you're a skeptic, and it's another thing to say, I'm a skeptic, but I'm open. You know, let me come and see. Let me come and check it out. And when Nathaniel meets Jesus, Jesus exceeds expectations. 
It's pretty beautiful to see. I think, I think one word that would describe the ministry of Jesus better than anything else is love. It's love. In John 15, verse 9, it says, As the Father has loved me, I have loved you. Remain in my love. So when we look at Jesus, we see his love. We see other things as well, but, but love is that crowning virtue of the life and ministry of Jesus. And when we look at Jesus, um, it begins to change and to transform our own hearts. Um, we also want people to be able to come and see by looking at us. Now, now we want ultimately to point people to Christ, amen? Because he's the real deal. But I tell you what, we live in a culture where a lot of people are not looking for Jesus, right? But sometimes people are looking at you. And the Apostle Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. So I want to live my life in such a way when people look at me, they see Jesus. They see the resurrected Lord in my heart. Is there anything more wonderful than pointing people to the Lord because of what he has done in us? So never underestimate Jesus and always see what God is doing. And then finally, always respond in faith. This is Nathaniel's response to this question, he starts, can anything good come out of Nazareth? But look where he ends. He says in verse 49, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Now before that, in verse 47, he says, Rabbi, uh, then, then Jesus saw Nathanael coming towards him and said about him, here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. Well, before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. And Jesus answered, Rabbi, Nathanael replied, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. So it's beautiful because when Nathanael comes into contact with Jesus, Jesus tells him what he's been doing, even though Jesus wasn't standing before him. And, and a fig tree was a place where people in the ancient world went to meditate and to think about the deep things of God. So Nathaniel's thinking about the deep things of God. When you read the context, you see he's probably thinking about Genesis 28, which is the story where Jacob has a vision where the angels are going up and down the ladder. And Jesus says, listen, I knew what you were thinking about. I knew where you were sitting. And this blows Nathaniel away. He's like, well, listen, how, how could he know this? If he wasn't the son of God. And, and he responds in faith. Listen, Jesus knows every single thing about you. Did you know there's not, there's not one thing, good or bad, that he's not fully aware of. He sees it all. He sees it all from start to finish. And when Nathaniel realized that, he says, you truly are the son of God. Nathaniel changed. He started as a skeptic. But as he came and saw Jesus, he found faith. You know, it's never too late to change. It's never too late to believe. When God is doing something, he wants us to respond in faith. Doubting Thomas, after the resurrection, came and he put his hands in the wounds of Jesus because he wasn't sure if he really believed. But when he examined the evidence, he said, my Lord... And my God, Abraham made a sacrifice when he responded in faith. Peter walked on the water when Jesus said, come. 
And he responded in faith. When Jesus said to the disciples, bring me a lunchbox, and he fed the 5,000, they responded in faith. When Jesus said to the blind man, go wash in the pool, and you'll receive your sight, the man responded in faith. When he said to the paralytic, get up and walk, what happened? The man responded in faith. When Jesus was at the wedding of Cana and Galilee in John chapter 2, they ran out of wine, and Jesus' mother said, do whatever he tells you to do. And, and they filled the jars up with water, and Jesus performed his first miracle. Do whatever he says to do. Respond in faith. Nathaniel moved from skeptic to disciple. And if you read the rest of the story, church history tells us that Nathaniel died as a martyr after becoming a missionary to India and Armenia. And history tells us he was filleted alive with knives for his faith. Pretty amazing, isn't it? A pretty dramatic conclusion to the life of someone who started by saying, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Wow. God never counts us out. And I love how the scripture concludes in verse 50. Jesus responds to him, do you believe because I told you, I saw you under the fig tree? You will see greater things than this. And then he said, truly I tell you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Jesus says, listen, you haven't seen anything. You think it's amazing that I told you about your sitting under the fig tree and thinking about the scriptures, yeah, you just wait, buddy. I got something that's going to blow you away. That's just the beginning. I think that's a word of encouragement for every one of us here today. God has some things for us that would blow our minds if we really understood all that he wanted to do in our hearts and our lives. And you know what? When we believe, all of those things become possible. Never count us out. Never count him out. Never underestimate Jesus. Always see what God is doing and always respond in faith. That's what God wants us to do today. Come on, can we put our hands together today and just celebrate a little bit? Amen. Amen. Let's pray together. Let's just bow our